Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Good morning, FBC family. It's a joy to be with you all again this morning. Um, Make sure you say hello to one another. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. And it's it's still the circumstances that aren't ideal, but we know and we pray and we believe that God is up to something. And you don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to recognize that God is up to something, but it's important to remember that God is up to something good. Because he is good and his love endures forever. So everything that he does has a huge emphasis and everything he does is good. And therefore we must stand and rejoice in that despite our circumstances. Because we stand on the word, not the world. Amen. So church, let's just rejoice in what he is doing in this time. Apply our faith to our prayers and let's release good things into the atmosphere in the name of Jesus. And as we worship together as we meet together to hear from God's word, and as we journey together through this series that we're doing, and as we just have our hearts transformed into his likeness, that we don't conform to the pattern of this world, but we are having our minds renewed in the name of Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Holy Spirit, holy, 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 holy is your name. Holy Spirit, would you increase your activity in our lives, we pray. Increase our fellowship with you, we pray. Increase our dreams, our visions, that our, our young men would dream dreams and our old men would prophesy. We want more of you. We need more of you, Holy One. And today I ask that you would just bless us with the spirit of revelation and knowledge that we would just apply all that your Bible teaches us, all that your word teaches us, Father, that we may continue to transform into your likeness. We may continue to transform from, into new levels of freedom, in new, new levels of life, and that we as FBC would continue to shine. And I just speak over you, FBC, that you are a lighthouse and you will be a lighthouse. And I just declare over this church being a lighthouse that people see from a distance, people will see you from a distance and you will see you shining brightly as a place of safety and refuge. And Holy Spirit, I ask you in your grace, meet with us in our homes, in our places of work, in our hearts, that we would dwell where you are. We would be with you and we would be one with you. We bless you and we love you and we praise you and we honour you. Jesus, we honour you. We adore you. Amen. Amen. Again, I'd encourage you guys, continue to worship in your own way, whatever that looks like to you at home. I know it's difficult because we're not doing that at the moment. We can't at the moment. But we're called to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind and strength. And the way we love is to worship. The way we love is not just through singing, but it's how we live our lives. And I continue to just let your worship rise within your lives, within your hearts. Because you'll be transformed by it and you'll just feel so much better for it. And he, he loves it and, it'll be, and it's so beneficial and nutritional to your spirit and your soul and to the earth. I love singing uh, out loud in town or, or walking along the streets because I'm like... Creation needs to hear our song. If we don't sing, the rocks will cry out. And this is a complete side note right now, but if we don't sing, the rocks will cry out. 
So I'm walking along and I'm just, and I just don't care. I just don't care because our, our creation needs to hear the song. And that's the beauty of the church needing to leave the building because creation can hear our song, hear our praise and join in with us. Anyway, back to the sermon. I'm going to start by going in with a story. I'm going to start by telling you about a year that I had in 2012, 2013, which for me was open heart surgery. And of course, as we know, in, in Philippians 1.6, the, the open heart surgery, which Paul talks about is, um, he who began the good work within you will continue to work this until the day of Christ's return. And that open heart surgery for me was God looking into my heart and seeing all these things that I didn't even know were there. Or I knew that were there and just didn't want to deal with them or, or face them. So I was going through this year, 2012, 2013, and it was extremely difficult. It was one of the hardest years I've been through to date because I was doing so well. I was doing so well spiritually. Spiritually, I was doing so well just in church. I, I could prophesy. I could pray. I could. I was having dreams. I would read my Bible, and I was just. I had all this stuff. So I was. Do, I was doing well to to the to the world's eyes to an extent, or to the church's eyes. But within this, and in, in my heart posture, I, I gave God my word and I gave him that I surrendered all. I laid my life on the altar. I said, yes, my life is yours. And I remember being so uncomfortable in church when I was younger, singing, I surrender all. When I knew I didn't, I just couldn't because I was like, I don't surrender all. But Lord, I want to surrender all. Help me to surrender all to you. So within that posture, within my heart, praying that God took me through this year in 2012, 2013, and it, of course, it, it wasn't just a year, it goes on forever. But in this year specifically, God highlighted these, these things in my heart that he wanted me to work on. He wanted me to, to work through, that he wanted me to, to become aware of and to be free from. And what are the things I'm talking about? I'm talking about shame. I'm talking about guilt. I'm talking about unhealthy levels of fear and anxiety. And I'm, t I'm talking for me, in, ter in terms of negative thoughts, in terms of jealousy, in terms of coveting, in terms of all this stuff that actually was deep down within me, but my surface level, level never gave it away because I couldn't show that because I, was, I, was a, I had an identity as a spiritual young man. And God, but God was so interested in me. And I, I, was, I was really, really hungry for more, and I still am hungry for more. And actually, God having that open heart surgery with me was not just painful, but I, I, it, was, it was incredibly painful. But I thank him for it because I was praying to go, to go two miles this way and I could only go a mile this way. And I didn't know why I couldn't get any further. And actually, he was like, son, you've got some things that are just holding you back that once, I, once we just deal with them, you can go the extra mile. You can go the extra mile. And it was incredibly painful, but it's incredibly liberating. And of course, like I said, it wasn't just that year. This is a lifelong process, which is Paul, Paul talks about in Philippians. This is a lifelong process. But there was a thing in order for me to get from, to, in order for me to get to the next level, I had to ha had to let the Holy Spirit deal with some things in my life to be the all I wanted to be and all that He wanted me to be. And the reason I'm, reason I'm making this point is because sometimes in order for us to go forward, we need to go backwards. 
Sometimes in order for us to go forwards, we need to go backwards. And sometimes that can be quite scary. Sometimes there's, there's, an, there's an obvious reason why we do not go backwards because we don't want to go back to those places. But church, let me just tell you and affirm this with you. And I know this is words, but I, I know the importance of this and the importance of you getting to know Christ because as you get to know Christ you get to understand his nature so when you open up with the vulnerabilities of your heart to him you know you've opened up to the best person there could possibly be to open up to his grace his kindness his gentleness his mercy his love his comfort, his compassion. He is the best person to open up to and the best person to entrust all of our baggage, all of our burdens into his arms. He is the best person. And we can see that repeated through the person of Jesus. The woman caught in adultery. All the people left apart from Jesus. And he says, neither do I condemn you. The woman at the well, he had every right to say, oh, well, you know, you've been doing this, you've been doing that. But what happened? He loved her, he listened to her, and she became the first evangelist. Just one encounter with Jesus changed everything. But you will find it very hard to offload to him if you do not know him. So I'd encourage you, church, just have comfort in this. And so what I want to do moving forward in this is... We should have a basic understanding of what it is to deal with stuff in our own lifetime, okay? So that could look like repentance, okay? Confession of sin, that kind of thing. Confessing to one another and repentance, which is transformation. And that is, just, it's not saying sorry, it's, it's not saying sorry, it's changing the way you think, okay? So we should have a basic understanding of that. But today, in good time, I want to unpack this morning generational sin. And now generational sin... It comes from, well, there's lots of verses in the Old Testament that, that talk about it and highlight it. But generational sin, in a nutshell, is basically the sins of our ancestors, not just affecting their lifetime, but the lifetimes of those before them and after them. Okay, so it's me committing a sin today, and that, that flowing on just beyond my lifetime and affecting my children, my children's children, and my children's children's children. So let's read, <coughs> let's read together in Exodus 20. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations who love and keep my commandments. Okay, so have you ever wondered why sometimes you cannot break out of a cycle of uh, a pattern of behavior, a pattern of thinking that has come down from the the generations before you. Okay, so and sometimes we can be so aware of that that we try our very best to not to do that kind of thing. And what can these things look like? Okay, um, some of them can look like patterns of sickness and health, disease, and, and doctors even aware of this kind of terminology that things can be passed down through our bloodline. Can we talk about behaviors? Can we talk about mental disorders? It can talk about addict, uh, addictive personalities. It can be talking about troubles with finances. It can be talking about lots of different things. And of course, we are always molded by our families, just in the good and the bad. It's not just the negative. But we have to be aware that sometimes in order for us to be free from something, free from a pattern, free from a cycle that's been going on and on and on and on, 
we have to be aware that actually maybe it didn't start with our lifetime. Maybe it didn't start with the lifetime that we are in right now. Maybe it started generations before that. And this is a biblical truth that God is speaking about here that we must take on and apply in our lives. And this will be a first time for some of you hearing this. So let's look at some biblical references for, references for this. Second Samuel, okay, you've got King David. Now King David, mighty man, written amazing Psalms, killed many people in battle, caused the, the Israelites to thrive, thrive in, in, in the world, okay? He was running from Saul, killed a bear, killed a lion, killed Goliath, that kind of stuff. Mighty, mighty man, unstoppable man. And around the age of, around the age of 45, he has an encounter where he's out on his palace rooftop and, and surrounding his palace would have been valleys and all the roofs would have been flat. And he comes out on his palace, he walks around and he sees a lady bathing. And we should know the story of Bathsheba. Okay, and he sees her and he has sexual thoughts towards her and wants, him, wants her as his own, doesn't really think about this, her life, her circumstances, but he has this impulse that takes over him, sends someone to get her, sleeps with her, impregnates her, and then realizes he needs to do something. So what does he do? He gets his, one of his men to send her husband Uriah the Hittite on the front lines of battles to make sure he is killed. Okay, that's just pretty intense and it's obviously a horrible thing to do. A horrible thing to do. And he denies it. He covers it up. He abuses his power. Until Nathan the prophet comes and confronts him. Until he comes and confronts him. Okay, so we've got David who started this pattern. And we don't know it could have come from Jesse. But he started this pattern, okay, within his life. And let's look at David's eldest son, Amnon. Okay, and if you know the story of Amnon, it's not a pretty situation, but still right within the sexual um, drawing and attraction that he can't actually break out of and it overpowers him. You know, things for us as, as Christians, as, as we hold dominion, things should not be overpowering us, we should be overpowering them. Okay, and it's a process and a journey, but I believe it's completely possible. So you've got Amnon who comes under the same pattern of behavior. And then not to mention Mr. Solomon, Mr. Solomon, David's son, who came from Bathsheba, okay? So Solomon, he built the temple, was a wise man, wrote brilliant proverbs. But still, 700 wives and loads of concubines, and he eventually defiled the temple by worshipping the gods of his wives. Okay, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, 18 wives, 60 concubines. And, and concubines and wives, sometimes a political statement, okay? As you could probably understand, if you've seen the odd historical movie, you might understand that. But equally, you can see from the pattern that maybe started before David, but starting with David, went down to his son, to his son, to his son, to his son. Are you with me? Are you, is this making sense? And I can understand this is, can be quite intense for us. Okay, so that's David. Abraham. Abraham, we find Abraham in the story of Genesis. And Abraham lies twice about Sarah, denying that he's his wife. Okay, so then we've got Abraham's son, who's Isaac. And Rebecca and Isaac's marriage is, is, is riddled around trickery and deceit and lies. And Isaac's son, Jacob, and it speaks for itself. If you know these stories, check them out. And you can see that the lies that are entwined within that nature. And the name Jacob means deceiver. Okay, so you've, you've got that entwined and it could have started in Abraham or before him. But we see the pattern of just deceit, people struggling with lying, passing down the generation to generation. Another one with Abraham, favoritism. Okay, Abraham favored Ishmael. 
He favoured Ishmael over Isaac. Okay, Isaac comes along. Isaac favours Esau over Jacob. Jacob favours Joseph over the rest of the brothers. And you can see another pattern, an unhealthy pattern, repeating itself down through, down through the generations. And you can see a t- uh, uh, an example in the New Testament when there's a, there's a boy who's born blind and the disciples ask Jesus, they say, Rabbi, who, whose sin is this? Is this the boy's sin or is this the father's sin? And Jesus replies, this is neither. This is neither. So it's important for us that we remember and we highlight that actually sometimes the sin cycle that we are in does not start from your, generate, from your immediate lifespan. It can start from the generations before you. Okay, and it's easy to break out of. It's a something we should not be afraid of. This is something that we should be equipped with knowledge and understanding so we can deal with it. Okay, and the ultimate one, let's look at the ultimate one. For me, this is the ultimate one. Adam and Eve. Their sin was carried on down generations and generations and the consequences of their sin affected everything until Christ died on that cross because we know that when Christ died on that cross, when Jesus died on that cross, He redeemed us to Eden, he restored us to life, he defeated death, he defeated sin, and he opened the holiest of holy places that we may enter in and God may have access to us and we have access to God because Jesus broke that curse, took the curse on himself on that cross and restored us back to fullness. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus, we love you. We adore you for the cross. And we thank Jesus for the cross. And you know, it's important to remember that the one thing I would love to encourage you all in, there, there are no formulas. There are no formulas in this. You look at the lifestyle of Jesus, there wasn't a, a direct formula that he stuck to. And I guess sometimes there could be. Sometimes there could be. But it's important. The, the, where the, best, the best formula that you can abide by and apply it is stay close and live close to the Holy Spirit. Jesus was asked a few questions and he said, only this can come out with prayer and fasting. So he, he's asked about the demon. And sometimes he, he would have cast it out. Sometimes he would have done other, he, sorry, he always cast things out. But that he's being questioned about this. And he said, for this situation, it's prayer and fasting. It's a blind man. Sometimes it's mud and saliva. Other times it's just for the glory of God to be revealed. So there's no formula. That is the importance of you and I staying close to the Holy Spirit. And within this situation of generational sin, it's important that we don't get caught up in religious practices, in religious doctrine and all this kind of stuff, that we stick close to the Holy Spirit and we say, okay, Holy Spirit, by faith I receive you here. Would you tell me and would you reveal to me what I need to repent of in order me to be free from this generational sin. Now I want to revisit Exodus 20 quickly. Okay, just for some good news for you there. Okay, and, and because things can work positive, because things can work negatively, okay, let the sin pass down, but we can also see the, the, the benefits, the goodness that can be passed down. Go back to Exodus 20. It says, but showing love to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. So there's joy and hope right there. There's joy and hope right there, as I said at the beginning, for, to those who love me, to a thousand generations, to those that, those that worship me in spirit and in truth, that those that you know, don't just do the, the religious practices of, of going to church and reading your Bible and praying twice a day, 
Those things are great and we love them and we adore them. But if your heart is in the wrong place, you're doing it for the wrong reason. And that's religion, not relationship. Okay? And we're called to love on God in truth and honesty. Like I said at the beginning of this talk, my heart was in the wrong place. I could prophesy. I could, and, we, and of course, please hear my heart in this, that prophecy is, is we love it. We love the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We love all that stuff. But sometimes those things can be used when the heart is completely in the wrong place. And it's important to remember when we need discernment. But it does not mean we can disregard the gifts, the prophesying, the miracles, the signs, the wonders. Okay, so a few steps for you in terms of dealing with generational sin. James 5.16 says this, Confess your sins so that you may be healed. And there's maybe some stuff that you are clearly aware of within your family that you can confess. Okay, whether that's to the Lord or whether that's to people around you, confess your sin. And it says, you may be healed so that you may be healed. Okay, so it could be uh, a, 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 a series of lying like we had with Abraham. Okay, we know that our grandfathers and our fathers had, a, uh, had episodes of lying. We may recognize that our, our generation had trouble with addiction or or just outbursts of anger and uncontrollable anger okay and certain some stuff we need to have the holy spirit's closeness to that and some stuff we're aware of but other times we need the holy spirit to say okay holy spirit is this stuff in my generational line okay okay let's say spirit of murder okay is there murder in my family okay and if if you have no idea about it holy spirit may say yes you need to deal with that and that's something you need to repent of Okay, and but so confession is powerful, and we know that words are powerful. So when you speak out, things are created. We know that God created the universe with His very mouth. He spoke it into being. And let me tell you a little, a little bit of interesting information about the word abracadabra. Okay, so you may not hear that word in in church all that often, and please don't get too uncomfortable. But the word abracadabra actually comes from the Aramaic meaning kadabra, meaning I will speak, I will create as I speak. So it comes from the original Aramaic avra kadabra, I will create as I speak. So as you speak confession out, as you confess to one another the sins of the forefathers, as you confess to one another, as you spend time in repentance with the Holy Spirit, things break. Things change, and you have the ability, you have the access point to break a sin cycle in your life that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's right, you, whoever is listening to this right now, you have that power, you have that authority, you have that closest to God to break the things that have been going on in your life for thousands of years. Why? Because Jesus gave you the authority. Jesus gives you responsibility. Jesus says to you, no, you do this. You do this. No, you do this. I, I want to do things through you. Don't just wait on me to do everything. Jesus loves for us to use our responsibility. And within this, with the knowledge and understanding that we gain, we've got to take on the knowledge to know, actually, I need to do something about this. I need to take up responsibility for, responsibility for me and my generations before me. And for the sake of my children and my children's children, this ends today. This sin ends today in the name of Jesus. And not, it's not hard. It doesn't have to be a pretty prayer. God cares about your heart more than anything. More than anything, he cares about your heart. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be lofty and mighty. Just the posture of your heart and he will do it. And I, I declare over you, church, that today, 
things will change forever. I declare over you, church, that you are a bloodline breaker. And your blood is powerful. It carries DNA and you have the ability to stop anything that's been passed down to you and your children's children in the name of Jesus. You can stop that today. With confession, with prayer, with repentance. And remember, repentance is an invitation into transformation. And who wouldn't want to be transformed? Who wouldn't want to be transformed? That's repentance. We should never shun away from repentance. We should never touch it with a barge pole. We should just invite it, embrace it, because it brings transformation. And I want to encourage you to to press in. If you need someone to talk to, um, we're here. We, I'm here Whatever, whoever we want to talk to we're here and I've actually got resources available if you do want a prayer to pray if you don't know how to start or where to pray I've got a, I've got a prayer you can pray out if you want to just email me you can email me at nathan at fleetbaptist.org.uk and I'm very happy to send you just a little formatted prayer just to break the cycle of generational sin so let's pray together I hope that's been okay I recognise there's a lot to tune and um, I hope I, I was clear in communicating it Um, But let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you broke the curse on the cross. And I thank you, Father, that you fill us with power and authority to stand in dominion on this earth, to stand in victory on this earth. And I speak over everybody listening right now, everybody watching right now. I speak such an, an equipping and a closeness of the Holy Spirit to break cycles of sin, cycles of behaviors, patterns of thinking in the name of Jesus this very day, this very week, the very time that they sit down or stand up and pray to break the cycle of sin in their generation. And I just declare that we will be a church free from generational sin. We will be a church free from the cycle of sin being passed down from generation to generation. And that our children and our children's children's children will will walk in the blessing of loving you and receiving your love for a thousand generations. But right now I just speak a blessing and equipping and a power anointing to break the cycles in the name of Yeshua, in the name of Jesus Christ. We bless you, Holy One.